Amen, amen. Well, good morning. It's good to be back together uh, this week, uh, study God's Word, sing praises together. Um, We will not be back in the Minor Prophets this week, so we spent four weeks going through the next four of those. We're going to revisit that series sometime soon, but uh, the next five weeks we're going to spend in in a letter in the New Testament called 1 John. So if you know where that is or if you want to look that up, you can go on and be turning there. While I make an earth-shattering announcement, a good one. Uh, so uh, this this coming April, April 9th, 10 a.m., uh, we're going to be back at Creekside for our Easter service this year. Uh, man, it was such a fun time last year being able to be together in one service to worship the Lord on the, the day that we, on one of the 52 days, but also the big one of the year that we celebrate how he rose from the dead. And so we're going to be back at Creekside Elementary for that service, April 9th, 10 a.m., You'll be hearing some more about it. We're going to have some invites for you to, to pass out to give to your friends and neighbors and coworkers and whatever else. Uh, but more information coming on about that. But go ahead and mark your calendars uh, for that. Um, we're going to start in First John, uh, kind of setting up this series this week, just looking at the first four verses. Um, I just want to go ahead and read those before, we, uh, before I pray and then we dive back in uh, to studying it, okay? So this is First John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, and what we have observed and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, that life was revealed and we have seen it and we testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard, we also declare to you so that you may also have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Father God, we thank you for your word. God, speak to us today through it. Teach us to know you today and be with us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So First John, um, if you're not familiar with it, is what's considered a New Testament letter. What that means is it was written by a person to a person during a particular time in history for a particular purpose. Okay, 1 John is a New Testament letter. However, when you read 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, which are all kind of, and if you flipped in your Bible, and if you look at the top and it just says John, um, that's actually the gospel according to John. You need to flip further towards the end of your Bible to 1st John. Okay, I forgot to say that earlier. Um, and so, but 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John that are all right there together at the end of your Bible are different from most of the other New Testament letters because they don't look, they don't begin or end like a traditional first century letter. If you look at the letters that Paul wrote, which are all the books from Romans to Philemon in your Bible, if you were to flip through there, what you would find is that Paul begins a very similar way. I, Paul. He just he starts off with, here's, here's me. This is who I am. This is who I'm writing to, and this is why I'm writing. However, when you look at 1 John, what you don't, you don't see that. Paul also often ends with some thank yous where he says, hey, these guys have helped me. This lady was really beneficial to our ministry. This lady is the one that's delivering the letter to you. Treat her well. Like he goes through all these thank yous at the end. But if you'll notice, 1 John doesn't begin or end that way. In fact, there's no mention of an audience or author at all. But as you read it, you have, I mean, if you read it, maybe you come to a different conclusion. But when I read it, I go, man, it's clear that the author was speaking to a particular audience. He addresses them in a couple of different situations as my little children. 
Like that's very specific. Like that's a that's a that's a love language. That's a a term of endearment. That's not something he's going to throw out to just speak to people. It's clear as you read through First John, there is a burden with which he speaks, and and it seems evident that he had names and faces in his mind as he wrote. But the question is, who wrote this letter? First, second, third John. And if if it would be an absolute stab in the dark because it doesn't. I know you're about. You're like, well, Heath, it says it at the top. But just remember that like those have been added, okay, <laughs> to help us, all right? Um, but, but the original letter was being circulated and didn't have a name necessarily attached to it except by tradition. If you look back, and it's going a little nerdy for just a moment, the writings of later, the later church leaders that came just by the early 200s, several pastors who were serving in churches and were leading the church at that time began to write and spoke and said that all three of these letters were written by the Apostle John. And that's been held throughout most of Christian history. Uh, There's some that try to dispute that, but whatever. Um, When you couple the tradition from the early church, along with the common themes, man, if you read 1 John and then you skip over to the gospel according to John, what you're going to find is there's, I have great peace in believing that he wrote all of them because we're going to see over the next five weeks that there are some phrases and there are some themes that he uses in the first three chapters of John that find their way into first John light, love, uh, life, being born again, God's children. It's all these cool parallels. So today we're going to be in first John, but we're also going to look a lot to the gospel according to John as well, but we'll have those verses on the screen. So you don't have to Bible drill that thing and flip back and forth. Okay. I'm going to do my best. But John, so John, we've already said he doesn't begin with an introduction of himself or his audience, but he begins with an introduction of the idea and the reason for his writing. And so the first thing that John mentions, I know note takers, type A people, you've been waiting. Here it is. Point number one. The first thing John shows us is that he has a testimony about Christ. Okay. Now, if you read, John goes through this long rant that can be kind of confusing to read if you don't slow down and pay attention. Um, my high school English teacher, Miss Hastings, would have marked this sucker up with red pen because it's really a big, long, run-on sentence that takes, it's three verses in our Bible, but it's, she would have, I would have never got by with this, but he was being led by the Holy Spirit, so let's show some grace. All right, so let me read it to you again. First John 1, 1 through 3. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we've seen with our eyes, what we've observed, touched with our hands, Concerning the word of life, the life that life was revealed, and we've seen and we testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard, we also declare to you, so that you may also have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. What you notice probably as you're as you're reading through that this big long sentence is that John uses plural pronouns. Right? He's using plural pronouns in describing his actions here. And so we can do two, one of two things with that. Instead of saying what I have heard, he says what we have heard. He doesn't do that throughout his letter, though. Even in chapter 2, he switches to I am writing. So my first thought was, man, Paul must be writing with a team. I mean, John must be writing with a team. That's what Paul did in his letters oftentimes. But, if you, but it, he also seems to use a lot of I language in there. Then it occurred to me, this is John's way of communicating. Hey, I was part of the original group. Right? He goes on to say, I was part of the original disciples. He goes on to say, uh, like from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have observed, and what we have touched with our hands. He's showing you know, four different ways that he's engaged with Jesus here. I didn't just see him. I didn't just hear him. I didn't just touch him. I also observed him. 
all these things. He, he show, he's, he's preparing his audience. I'm about to say some incredible things about a relationship with Jesus that you can have. And they're going to sound nuts. But before I get there and before you start doubting me, let me tell you who I am. I walked with the man. Right? I walked with him. I know who he was. I heard these teachings from his own mouth. John seems to be making it clear. I have witnessed these things about Jesus and I wasn't the only one. I was with the disciples. I was with the apostles. It's this John giving some credibility, trying to, trying to prove his points that are coming up soon. John, the apostle, we know he, was, he witnessed everything Jesus did. There, there are very few moments in Jesus' ministry that John wasn't a part of. And John says something unique about Jesus as well. He begins to talk about kind of his uniqueness, but then he talks about Jesus here. He calls him the son of God in verse 3, which is really cool, but he also refers to him as the word of life. He's borrowing an idea from John. John chapter 1, verse 1 begins this way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. John refers to Jesus as the Word. What he's saying, I don't just have a word about Jesus. Jesus is the Word. And I can tell you about Jesus' life, but in a very real way, Jesus is life. John is saying that Jesus, the Son of God, is the Word of life itself. I mean, if those of you who are in Christ, can you not testify to that? That like apart from Christ, even, even with all the wealth and all the successful, all the whatever that the world may bring to us, we will be miserable apart from the presence, the real presence of Christ in our lives. He is life. Ignoring the will and work of Christ will bring nothing but miserable life. There will always be something missing. Only when we live fully devoted to Christ will we begin to truly live. John, verse 2, he goes further. He says that life, this Jesus, was revealed and we've seen it. We testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father. You see, John's not just saying that Jesus is life here on earth. He says he, he testifies that he is the eternal life. There is something more to Jesus than what so many people saw. During Jesus' ministry, some people knew he was a great teacher. They heard him teach and go, that guy's got skills, man. And there were other people that thought he was a religious nut, and they probably tried to avoid him, knew that his life would end in death. Some people probably thought he was some sort of ancient hippie. I don't know. But what we know about Jesus, what John is declaring about him, is that all of these woefully fall short of who Jesus was. Because they missed the biggest point. He wasn't just some guy. He was fully man, yes, but he was also fully God. And because he is God, he has never started existing. My son's to the point where, uh, of course, we just baptized him not long ago, and he asked me that question. And I've talked to some of you parents too. So if God created everything, then who created God? Right, that, that whole question, which sounds super deep, but actually has a really clear answer. No one. He's always existed. I know in their concrete minds, that's hard to grasp. But Jesus, the, the Son of God is the same way. He never came into existence. He has always been. He is eternal. This is how John began his gospel account too. Again, I've said in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So John says, this is the guy that I walked with and I talked with. This is the guy that I listened to teach. It's the guy I hugged. It's the guy I, I laid at the table next to. I, I lived life with this guy. 
The Son of God was living beside me. So listen, when I begin to tell you things that you don't believe and things that you're going to try to, Satan's going to try to twist and, and is going to try to, to not bring confidence in your life, shut him up because I know what I'm talking about. You see this? This is John. I walked with him. I talked with him. I know what he said. You can trust what I'm going to tell you. So this testimony that G, that, about Jesus that John is going to tell us in this story is super important. And, and John says that this testimony about Jesus does two things. One, it does something for his readers, and the other one, it does something for him, for John. So let's talk about the something for you first, because we're selfish people, aren't we? Let's talk there first, all right? And that's where the, it goes first. Number two, number two, fellowship in Christ. This is the something for you. This is what this testimony that John is declaring brings to us. Verse 3, what we have seen, what we heard, we also declare to you. So that, two really, really important words. So that you may also have fellowship with us. See, man, we run into this word fellowship sometimes in the Bible. And, and this is a, a test. And if you're answering the first service, you can't answer now. Anybody remember the Greek word for fellowship? Koinonia. Hey, so, and it's a cool sound of word, koinonia. It just rolls off the tongue. It sounds pretty. Um, but uh, but uh, you get gold stars uh, to you guys that said that. I don't know what the gold stars are worth, um, but you'll have to, I don't know, check with Patrick. He can translate them into something. I don't know. Uh, candy. That's what they're worth. All right. But koinonia, this word fellowship, it means that we share all things or to be focused on the common good. And so this fellowship that John is talking about, he says, my testimony about Christ, I'm telling you these things so that you may have fellowship with us. He says, with other believers, but also with God, the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ. And it can sound like John is saying, I'm sharing these things with you about Jesus so that you may believe in him and be saved, right? Then you can experience this koinonia, this, this fellowship with us. But we're reading a letter that has one train of thought from beginning to end. So when we go to the end of John's letter, 1 John chapter 5, John actually makes it clear that he's not writing to people who have not trusted in him. Look at this, John 5, 13. He says, I've written all these things that I just told you about to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. So who is John's audience that he's writing to? He's writing to people who have already trusted in the name of Jesus. And he says, so that you may know that you have eternal life. So follow this thought with me here, okay? John's echoing, uh, he's is an echo of purpose here. Chapter 1, we are declaring these things to you. In chapter 5, I have written these things to you. Mirrored language from one to the other. But here John says he is writing to those who have already believed in the name of Jesus. So his purpose in writing is not that we may believe in him, but instead that we what? Know we have eternal life. Miss Hastings, my English teacher, would be proud of what we're doing with the text now. Understanding it, breaking it down, right? This letter then is not necessarily evangelistic, written to unbelievers, as a way of seeing them saved. Instead, it's written to believers as a way of seeing them come, become more confident in their salvation. He says, I'm writing to you so that you may know you are secure, that you are safe. You see this. 
Going back to chapter 1, then what's the deal with this fellowship thing? It sounded as if John John was saying, I want to give you access to this fellowship through faith in Jesus. That's what it sounded like at my first reading anyway, when I sat down to study the text. This is how I study. I'm just bringing you behind the curtain into my brain. It's scary, I know. But listen, this fellowship that we are secured in Christ is not experienced equally across the board for all believers. This fellowship that we have secured in Christ is not experienced equally across the board. It is available equally, but the experience of this relationship is most certainly tied to our ongoing relationship with Jesus. Have you not seen that? Those who are walking closely with the Lord will experience a closeness with the church and with the God of heaven. They will experience that deeper than someone who is not walking closely with the Lord. That's been my experience and my faith. And John actually wrote about this in his gospel. Again, going back to the gospel of John, John 15, 4 and 5. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. Hey, you guys survived some strong wind on Friday. I don't know, we almost lost our trampoline, so that was fun. Me and Kelly out in like knee-deep mud, pulling our trampoline up to the house to try to anchor it back down. That was fun. Thank goodness we don't have, a, uh, don't have footage of that because that would have been embarrassing. Um, but we did, we, we saved it. Uh, but there were strong winds, and, and Nick, I don't know if you guys know Nick. Nick's the one who plays electric guitar over here on this side of the stage. He was telling me about in their neighborhood that branches were just blown out of the trees and that they were sticking in the ground. You know what I mean? Like just crazy. Now here's, so just a question about that. Can we expect those branches that stuck into the ground out of the tree to begin to produce fruit? Okay. That, yeah. Right. Um, it's clear. Why? Because they disconnected from the tree. You see, that's the visual that we're talking about here. It's the visual that we're talking about. When we, when we, when we don't connect, when we're not strongly connected through an ongoing relationship with the tree. When we try to live life on our own, we're going to find that we are unfruitful. Jesus says in verse 5, you can do nothing without me. This visual is most certainly tied to his comments in 1 John 1. When we're connected to Jesus in the ways that he tells us we should be, then we will experience fruitfulness and the closeness of relationship with others in the church, and with God through Jesus. The way we describe this here has been super helpful for me. Somebody helped me understand this, and it was really, really good. So you have to hear it every six weeks or so. There's two words that we use to describe our relationship with God here at East, and it's union and communion. Those two words. So I want to explain those to you if you're, if you're new or you just forgot from the last time. When we trust in Jesus as our Savior, through repentance and faith in Him, we are eternally saved. Did you hear me say the E word? Eternally saved. We are forever locked into a relationship with God through the blood of Jesus who shed, was shed on the cross for us. Nothing can shake that or change that standing. We are made right, justified before Him. That is our union with Christ. It is unchanging. Listen to me. It is unchanging. However, we may not always live our lives for Jesus. We may not make right decisions. We may not stay close with him. We may become distracted by the world, be blown away around by 50 mile per hour winds of the world. And when we do not pursue our relationship with God through Jesus, what do we experience? Distance. 
disconnectedness. Has our union changed? No. But this ongoing relationship had, not in terms of our salvation do we experience distance, but in terms of our ongoing relationship, our communion. I'll use my left hand. Our communion with him. This is an imperfect analogy uh, because of the idea of divorce, but if we can imagine a world like where my wife couldn't leave me, okay, for just a moment. One of the best ideas of understanding these two ideas is the marriage relationship. Um, June 20th, 2009. It was a beautiful day. It was 99,000 degrees. And it was in a day when you couldn't, when you had to wear a tux, because it was before you guys started having these casual weddings, praise God. Um, But I was in a tuxedo, and it was, again, really, really hot, and I don't know, how many people were, it was way too many people at our wedding, like, have a big wedding if you want, but it was like, I don't know, over 200 people there, it was nuts, so many people. But we've been in different churches and have a lot of different relationships, but I can remember, but before all the 200 people or whatever, and before our youth pastor who had invested in us and discipled us, uh, my wife placed a ring that wasn't black and silicone and bought from Amazon. It was bought from a uh, a, uh, a store, a jewelry store. Um, I lost it in a kayaking accident. But I stood before those 200 people, and I declared my love for Kelly Danielle Dorning. And I placed a ring on her finger, and she placed a ring on mine. And every day since then, from June 21st through today, June 21st, 2009, through today, every morning I wake up, am I more or less married to her? No. Right? My union with her is forever sealed. It's forever unchanging. But what can change? Our, our friendship, our ongoing relationship with one another, Right? If I don't choose to learn more about her, if I don't spend time with her, is my relationship affected? Yes. You were right, Patrick. She wouldn't yell from the back. I said Kelly was going to yell amen from the back when I said that, but she didn't. All right. But sure it is. We will eventually just become roommates who live in the same house with no level of intimacy at all. Are we still married? Yes. But am I experiencing the ongoing joys of that marriage? No, that's the communion idea, church. John is not writing here to people who had, begun, who had not begun a relationship with Jesus. He was writing to those that already had the union with Christ's peace and in, 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 like it was, it was done. They were in union with Christ, but they were not in communion. They were struggling there. And he wants to remind them of Christ's beauty and his intensity. He says, so that... You may know that you have eternal life, that you may rekindle your relationship with him. They may do just as I do with my my wife. I want to grow in knowledge of her. I want to have conversation. I want to grow in my conversation with her. And I want to grow in my prioritizing of her. It's three things. They're huge in marriage. And they're huge in our relationship with Jesus. I want to grow in knowledge of him. Coming through studying God's word. I have to desire to know Jesus more deeply if I, have to, if I expect to have a good relationship with him. I also have to grow in conversation. And that comes through prayer. If I want to experience the fullness of my relationship with Jesus, I have to have an ongoing relationship with him every day. 
and growing in prioritization comes through meditating on Jesus, placing my relationship with Jesus as such a forefront in my mind that as I'm approached with questions and decisions and things to do, that I am factoring him into everything I do. Listen, my calendar becomes prioritized around Jesus. The way I respond to jerks at work becomes centered around Jesus. The way I love my family is prioritized around who Jesus is. Do you see this? There's a real fellowship with the church and with Christ that you can experience right now in this life. You don't have to wait for some eternal life. It's here and now. I know just as John did that I'm speaking to a room full of people, many of which have already trusted in Jesus, but you're not experiencing the full fellowship that Christ has to offer. There's a connectivity to him and his church that you have access to, but you are not experiencing it fully because you are not pursuing him. I've told you guys before that oftentimes Kelly and I will talk about my message beforehand, and and I do that to try to help me process, but also I do it just to try to get a nugget from her because she says smart things. And uh, I don't know if... Anyway, that's that's me and my wife. Um, I talk a lot. She says few words. And they're usually really good. And Kelly brought up a good point as we were talking about this. Um, she said, you know, God is the only being in the universe that we ignore and expect to experience his love. You ever thought about that? God is the only being in the universe that we ignore and expect to experience his love. You know, some of y'all got like a golden retriever or some sort of like dog. Even him, you got to feed like, you can't just let him starve. He's not going to run up and, like, he's, he's going to eventually run away. Like, you've got to pet him every once in a while. But with God, like, we expect to just ignore him and do what we do and, like, expect him to be there at our beckoning call. Listen, our union with Christ has not changed, but our communion will forever be changing if we're not pursuing him. Today, you can change that. Like if, if, if you're there, you've been ignoring God, you can change it. You can begin to pursue him rightly. Because if you continue to live life the way you are right now, listen, nothing's going to change. My relationship with my, if, if my marriage this week has been less than what I want, you know what I don't need to do next week? The same things I did this week. If I walked by the dishwasher 25 times with that little green light that says clean, I don't know, next week, maybe only walk by 24 times. You know what I mean? Like, I need to do, I need to serve my wife. I need to serve my family. I need to be the man that God's called me to be. And then eventually, I'll begin to see the joy that God has for me in marriage. I'll see that begin to change and grow. But it's going to come about through growth in knowledge, a growth in conversation, and a growth in priorities. We've got to, we've got to change what we do. When we do that, it's like my wife, my relationship, the relationship is, I'm not more married to her, but my experience of our marriage will be greater. Union, communion. So John helps us see in, in verse 4 that there's something that he gains from sharing his testimony with Christ, which is really cool. I just realized that was in my pocket and it's been... Sorry if y'all been watching that bounce around in my pocket. There's something that John actually gains from sharing this testimony. And this is point number three, joy in Christ. Look back at verse four. 
He says, we're writing these things, all this that we're about to write, so that our joy may be complete. Now check that out. John says, we are writing these things to you so that our joy may be complete. John could have said, I'm writing these things to you so that your joy may be complete, right? He could have said, because as our communion, he's trying to, he's writing in such a way to improve our communion with God. As that grows, our joy will certainly follow. And so John could have, he could have said, I'm writing so that your joy may be complete. But he says, our joy. To change the pronouns for just a moment, he says, my joy. John says there is a joy that he gets to experience with Christ when what he says helps other believers grow. The book I read this week, just to try to help me understand 1 John, I'm going to continue to use that resource throughout this study. The author said this, John has the heart of a pastor, which cannot be completely happy so long as some of those for whom he feels responsible are not experiencing the full blessings of the gospel. And I know you guys are not pastors, but this is the heart that God's given to pastors. We cannot be completely happy so long as some of those we know we feel responsible for are not experiencing the full blessings of the gospel listen church there is a greater joy that you and i get to experience that doesn't occur apart from helping other people experience the full blessings of the gospel and how can they do that they can do that by growing in knowledge and conversation and priorities and so john is making this crazy claim i know this is nuts but there is joy in helping other people grow that's crazy. But it's, listen, it's because Christ told us to do it. It's the most basic command Christ gave his disciples before he left earth and he returned to a heavenly throne. John 18, I mean 28, 18 through 20. The word of God says that Jesus came near and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. See, Jesus is calling us to discipleship. And yes, everybody tries to define exactly what discipleship looks like. You can go to lifeway.com or christianbook.com and look at books that have come out over the last 10 years. And what you'll find is that everybody wants to define what Jesus meant by go and make disciples. Some make the case that it's, it can happen. It happens best in a Sunday school meeting, weekly, studying the Bible together. Others say it happens in small groups where they're doing life together and, and yes, studying God's Word, but also focusing on relationships. Others say it happens in, sm- in home groups where you're sharing a meal together with your families. Some say it happens best in gender, de- uh, gender same gender D groups, meeting at coffee shops, challenging one another. Others say it's a one-on-one mentorship. And honestly, there's a thousand others Everywhere in between there. As I told the first service, I I was dumb enough to get a master's degree in discipleship. And you know which of those books I had to read? Like all of them. (laughs) All of them. And and some some of them were much more open, but some of them were saying, this is what discipleship looks like. Well, to my, what I had to do at the end of spending all this money and all this time and getting my degree, I looked back at all that I had learned and I said, well, which one is right? Like, which one of these actually defines discipleship? And disagree or not with me, I argue that they all are. These are all discipleship because we define discipleship this way at East. And it's simple. Helping other people take next steps in their walk with God. That's what it is. 
That may happen in a small group. It may happen over coffee. It may happen through a conversation after service this morning. It may happen through a regular mentorship relationship. We don't try to necessarily define the mode here at East, but instead we challenge you to strive for the results. Don't try to fit a particular mold. Instead, make disciples. Help people take next steps. And when you're able to do that, John says that there is a fullness of joy that you don't get to experience apart from that. Study your Bible. Pray like a boss this week. Awesome. You'll experience a depth of relationship with Christ that you haven't experienced before. But listen to me. Your joy won't be complete until you're helping other people walk. Until you're walking with them and helping them take a next step. Helping a coworker uh, or uh, encouraging a friend to join you at church sometime. Y'all, that's discipleship. You're helping them take a next step. Helping a coworker understand a biblical principle they've been struggling with. That's discipleship. Opening the Bible with your children regularly at bedtime. And teaching them to study their own Bible, that's discipleship. Meeting a brother or sister in Christ for breakfast to discuss the sermon from some crazy redneck preacher on Sunday to offer a little bit of application because you had no idea what he was talking about. I'll stop there. That's discipleship. There are many ways we contribute to the health and growth of other believers, but we need to continue to strive for the deeper and more intentional ways. Because only through being obedient to Christ's call to disciple one another will we experience full joy. That is what John is talking about. He gets to experience full joy as he proclaims the testimony of Jesus and people are reminded of God's love and their communion increases. Church, my prayer for you over the last couple of days has been that you would hear this message today and that you would be changed. Not because of what I had to say, but because of what John said, inspired by the Spirit so many years ago, what the Word of God has said this morning. So I just want to walk through just a few application pieces just to to try to land this plane in our hearts and our minds. First off, have you experienced this? Do you have access to this fellowship with Christ? That union piece is so important. I don't want to, we're going to focus on the communion here in a second, but this union piece. Because fellowship with Christ doesn't come through church attendance or by reading your Bible or by knowing a pastor and having him in your phone. Fellowship with Christ comes only through salvation. Joining Christ in a real union, putting your spiritual silicone wedding band on and committing to live your life for him. This is what salvation is. And listen to me, it would make this pastor's Joy complete today to get to walk with you through that. If you have questions about what, if you want to talk with someone about what it looks like to follow Jesus, like we're going to sing one more song here in a second. I'm going to stand right back there. And I got to come back and talk to him and say, hey, I need to be saved or I need to talk about that. Because man, it would make my joy complete to be able to walk with you through that. And here's the good news. We got warm water next Sunday. So I'm just saying, we can baptize you next week. All right. But for those of you who are already believers, Let me ask you this. The union peace is secure for you. But are you walking in it? Is the communion peace strong? Are you experiencing the depth of the relationship with Christ and with his church that he intended you to? If not, there's three pieces of the puzzle. Just to simplify it. Are you growing in your knowledge of him? Are you growing in conversation with him? And are you growing in prioritization of him? If one of those pieces... I hate puzzles. 
thousand piece. I'm like a I'm a I'm a hundred piece or hundred piece puzzle or less guy. That's what I like. Hey, but Christianity is even simpler. And you could find I'm saying three three pieces of the puzzle. Which piece is out of whack? Because we we know oftentimes when we're being disobedient because the spirit of God is in us. We know most often. What we need to do more of, we just need the accountability to stick to it. And that's what the church offers. So consider today, are you walking in the relationship? And I know there are others here today. And like you're, man, I get, my union is strong, brother. And my communion, I'm, I'm walking with the Lord. I'm experiencing uh, the, the relationship, the fellowship that, that comes with, with Christ and his church. But listen, you're not experiencing full, complete joy. Because you're not yet helping others take next steps. You're not contributing to the discipleship of others. Maybe you're here or there. You're encouraging someone or inviting someone. But there's not this consistent intentional effort towards investing in another person's life. Commit today to this effort. In fact, I'd love to talk with you about how you can accomplish this well at your home and your workplace or in your friend group. Again, I'm going to be standing back there. I would love to help you take those steps. However God may have spoken to you today, please choose today to be obedient to this call. That's been my prayer for all of us today. So I'm going to pray. After I do, our worship team is going to come up. They're going to sing one more song, just a song of response. Really, really cool song. I love it. Uh, it'll be time for you to sing and worship God today, the God of creation who hears your prayers and hears your voice. You can come and pray at this altar. You can pray right where you are. Or if you need help taking next steps, come see me back at the back on your left side of the sound booth, okay? I'm going to pray, and you guys can respond however you need to. Father, God, we thank you. Uh, God, for your word, God, we thank you that, uh, that God, in your grace, um, you do save us, God. You, you saved me at such a young age, God. And, and God, though, uh, God, some years I've been walking closer with you than others, um, God, you've that my my union with you has never ceased. God, I've always been justified and fully uh, fully with you. God, I pray that for my future. God, even as the pastor here, God, I pray that you would draw me into a deeper relationship. God, help me to do the things I know I need to do to grow our relationship. God, and I know that you meet me there. God, I pray that over this church. God, I pray for anybody here who doesn't have that relationship with you at all. They don't even have access to it. God, I pray that they would find that today. And God, I pray that uh, as the rest of the world, God, sometimes uh, is abandoning uh, walking with you faithfully and investing in other people, God, that God, us here, this this group of people, God, who call Lindsay Lane East home, we would be all about investing in others' lives, God, through conversations, God, uh, over coffee, God, at the back of the sanctuary, God, in small groups, God, whatever it looks like. God, use us in our homes, in our workplaces, and in our friend groups to impact others and help them take next steps. God, we love you and we trust you. God, speak to us and lead us to be obedient. In Jesus' name, amen. And guys, let's stand up and sing.